You're listening to Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. We spoke briefly to Joanna Forbes Estrange during our International Women's Day special, but we immediately decided to get her back for a full Women Making Waves chat. This inspirational woman is a singer, conductor and composer. Linda and I spoke to her over the internet because of the COVID-19 lockdown being in place. Joanna Forbes Lestrange is a singer, conductor and composer. Beginning her career as a soprano and musical director of the Swingle Singers, she went on to found and direct Aquila, an all-female a cappella group at St John's College, Cambridge. Joanna has coached choirs internationally and works as a session singer at Abbey Road Studio often. Thank you very much for joining us on Women Making Waves, Joanna. That's my pleasure. Now, how did your interest in music start? Did it start when you were in the cradle sort of thing? (laughs) I think it probably did, actually. I have always loved music and my parents are very musical. My dad is a professional musician and his father was a professional musician and his brother is an opera singer. And I was surrounded by music, really. Although, weirdly, I didn't live with my parents until I lived with my mum six years in my teens but otherwise I was brought up in foster homes so I think I'm a living example of nature over nurture because (laughs) uh, (laughs) my foster parents weren't musicians you know my foster dads worked in the local factory and my my foster mum cleaned the schools after school time finished but the music was just in me and I guess I saw my dad one weekend a month and there was always a lot of music going on Um, so yeah I guess it kind of filtered in somehow Wow, that's really interesting. Did you do, you know, music lessons at school? You're learning the piano or that kind of thing? Yeah, I studied piano and cello growing up, just had lessons at school and I loved it. So I did all my grades, all my associated boards up to grade eight on those instruments. But I didn't really discover singing until I got to university. I didn't really do much singing before then. I sang in my church choir once a week so let me think I must have been 18 when I left that choir and I went so I went back when I was 38 48 oh my gosh so I went back 30 years later and um, some of the people were still there actually and they they were doing a whole service of music by me and they wanted me to come and conduct so it was absolutely adorable and my children came and sang and they put the robes on that we had worn when we were little and it was yeah, amazing. Joe, you say that you started very later, as in 18, because usually now we start at a much earlier age, don't we, for mm. children. Was there any benefit for you starting at that age, at 18? I mean, would you say to younger generations that it doesn't matter when you start, just go for it? Um, I would probably say the opposite, actually. The earlier mm. you start with singing, the better. My children were both choristers, one still is, Um, So they started their sort of professional training at age seven and singing in world-famous choir, St. John's Cambridge. (laughs) It doesn't get much better than that. Um, I would love to have started younger. I'd love to have been a chorister. Um, And these days, girls can be choristers, which is brilliant. But when I was little, girls weren't choristers, only boys were. Um, So I was very envious of my little brother who got to be one. Yeah, I'd love to have started earlier. And I suppose... I could be a little bit sad about the fact that I didn't, but actually I don't feel sad about it because I feel incredibly lucky that I did 
get to sing when I was at Oxford because as I say that just changed everything for me and it was just on a whim I was at Freshers Fair and I saw this sign Scola Cantorum and I thought "Ooh, I would love to be in a choir with a Latin name <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I've been to comprehensive school I've never really encountered anything quite so exotic sounding but it turned out that being able to sight read was a huge advantage and I could sight read because my dad had taught us how to sight read from when we were little and I totally took it for granted. I didn't realise that not all children could, but I could pick up a piece of music and sing it. And so the guy who was auditioning me was thrilled to bits and said, well, yeah, great. And you went to to Oxford University? Mm, I did. What did you study there, Joanna? I studied music at Oxford. Of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was very keen to study music. It was it was my everything. I just adored music. My English teacher at school was slightly disappointed that I didn't study English because that was my other passion. Because I wanted to study music and I wanted to see whether I was capable of getting into Oxford or Cambridge. I didn't want to go to Cambridge because my dad had studied music at Cambridge. He'd been at King's in the 60s and I thought, oh my goodness, if I get in, I'll just spend my entire time being daughter of and I didn't fancy that much. I applied to Oxford and to other universities as well. And nothing could have surprised me more when I got my place at Oxford because I really did lack confidence. And I was very, very shy. But I was very, I don't know, very determined. And I was very positive in my interview. And I was lucky also because I didn't have to do the entrance exams because they. I was part of the let's see if we can recruit some people from comprehensive schools so yeah I did my interview and I did a few other things that I had to do but I got my place so it was oh it was the best thing ever really well that's just good on diversity that they were trying yep. to trying to do that brilliant thank goodness for that mm. <laughs> and uh, Joe, on the point of uh, girls chorister do you find now generally that people are becoming much more relaxed about women in choirs well it's a long process really still it's quite a new thing there are certain choirs for example St Paul's Cathedral Choir they admitted their first female singer only a few years ago it's always been boys on the front row men on the back row but she is now singing alto in that choir and people were terribly confused people who aren't in the music business I should say because it was put in the press almost as if it was suggesting that she was singing in the front row with the boys But of course she wasn't. She was singing the alto line behind with the men. So there was a lot of confusing media around at the time. One article saying, oh, I don't think it's right at all because what about the poor boys who are being pushed out and she wasn't wasn't replacing any boys. So that was funny. Um, And various other previously all-male choirs are now beginning to admit women onto the back row. But really it's the front row that's created all the controversy because many people believe that boys and girls should have exactly the same opportunities when it comes to being choristers. But it's such a complicated, it's such a complicated thing to try and sort out really because there's fear among the all boys choirs, such as we have at St. John's Cambridge, that if you introduce girls into the boys choir, that the boys will be less keen to sing. So therefore you might have a girls choir and a boys choir running in tandem taking it in turns to ser- to sing the daily services. But then you have the worry that if the boys aren't singing as regularly as they currently are, that the standard will begin to drop. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these considerations, plus the fact that the choir schools that support um, these, that these foundations that support the education of these boys would have to 
have a complete turnaround in order to be able to admit girls as well. So it's very complicated and I don't pretend that it isn't. Um, another issue that's often brought up is that boys only have their high voices until they're 12, 13, and then their voices change, whereas girls have their high voices for their whole lives. So some people say it's fair that girls don't get to be choristers because they get to be singing the top line, you know, until they're as ancient as me. But then on the other hand, girls then don't necessarily, hit, they've not had the training that boys have had, and so therefore they won't be as good when they enter the profession, it, you know, there are so many issues. Oh my goodness. And I put out a blog about it a couple of years ago and it led to a lot of conversations, but also a lot of animosity I encountered from people saying, you don't understand how enormous the problem is. And I don't think I did actually, in all fairness, and I, but I do now. But do you still want to blog about it? Because I think it's in, in many ways is incredibly important that we do accept change and we actually work around that change. Is that mm. something that you are still keen to do or is you just Definitely. backing off a bit? Definitely. And I'm on all sorts of discussion panels and working parties and I'm very, very keen to try and find a solution which is fair for girls, but will one which will not damage the amazing boys' choir tradition that we have in this country. I mean, it really is unique. My husband's just got back from America, he made it back just in time, um, <laughs> where he was yeah. working with choirs all over America, and they all revere the English choral tradition that we have here. They just don't have anything like that there, although they are beginning to, but our tradition stretching right, right, right back 500 years is unique. And it would be an absolute tragedy if we were to do something for girls, which would then spoil the wonderful tradition that we have with the boys' choir. So it really is going to mm. take a lot of careful planning to to get this right. Joe, on your website, which I have to say looks very, very good and very impressive. Obviously, oh, you're the you. main title. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> the main titles on it are singer, composer and choral leader. But yeah. I know there are more hats on your head than that. What <laughs> other things do you do that in between all these lines? What other things that we don't know about? Oh, well, professionally or yeah. otherwise? Well, you can do both. You can do both. <laughs> yes, well, I, I put composer, but I don't know. I don't really think of myself as a composer in the traditional sense. I, for example, would never want to write anything other than choral music. So I'm a choral composer. I don't want to write purely instrumental music. But I also am different from some composers in that I write a lot of songs. So I'm not just working in the classical music industry, but I'm writing a lot of pop songs, a lot of jazz songs. I wrote a song last year, which has ended up being used on Fleabag. Series mm, tell, Fleabag. Yeah, tell us so, about that, Joe. Well, that was so exciting. It was a song I wrote in collaboration with two songwriters that I've worked with quite a lot called David Tobin and Jeff Megan. And we, we wrote an album together of vintage vocal swing, it's called. And we wrote it for an audio network, um, a company called Audio Network, which supplies music for television and so for every television company they will be looking at tracks that will work well as background music for whatever program it is documentary or drama or whatever so we wrote this album not really knowing where or if these tracks were going to be used and one of the songs that I wrote for it was called You Are and it's a lovely kind of 1940s style ballad with three-part female harmony. So very much along the lines of the kind of songs that I write regularly. 
and blow me if it didn't rock up on the opening scene of series two of Fleabag, which is one of my favourite programmes of all time. <laughs> and it's great. Oh my goodness, and it's so funny. It's the scene where Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character is wiping blood off her face having just had this awful kind of family dinner that's ended up in a punch up and so in the background it's like you are the one I want to be close like mellow mellow jazz the juxtaposition of her wiping her face off you know and this music is so so funny so yeah I was thrilled to bits about were, that were you warned that was going to be come on were you listening no, out for it no, no you, you just never know and in fact it wasn't used on the original BBC broadcast version but then it it was used on a different version that a colleague of mine saw watching Fleabag on telly coming flying back from um, America it was just before Christmas and she she landed and immediately phoned me and said did you know that your song is <laughs> and so I didn't have a clue and so I immediately went online and found it and oh it's just fantastic so yeah I do a lot of songwriting I wrote a song called A Woman Wearing Bloomers on a Wheel um, <laughs> I heard that. I, I managed to track that one down on the internet. That's fun and, lo- and really, really good fun. video. <laughs> a really great video that was made by the National Youth Choir, the Great Britain, the Girls Choir. They went up to this amazing museum in um, Durham, which is set out like an old-fashioned village. Everyone's cycling around on old-fashioned bicycles. Oh, it was amazing! And they recorded. A, they made a film there. So yeah, I, I've become known as the kind of go-to women for songs about women (laughs) brilliant do you find it easy to write joanna i do actually i it does come quite easily to me if i've got a basic spec of how long somebody wants a song to be and roughly what they want it to be about and who i'm writing it for whether it's a youth choir or an adult choir whether it's a professional choir or an amateur choir once i've got all those parameters in place i just start writing lyrics and lyrics always come quite quickly to me and then I sort of mull them over for weeks until they're right and then once I've got lyrics the melodies come equally quickly so I I am lucky but I have to say it's a it's something I only recently started doing really in the last 15 10 15 years I've been working as a singer for a long time before I realized I could write songs so it's a really nice string to have to my bow now what made you try and do it well, it kind of happened by accident. My husband is a composer and he was writing a large scale choral piece, like a 40 minute piece, all about the bicycle. And it was commissioned by the Tour de France. I don't know if you remember, but in 2014, the Tour de France was starting in Yorkshire. Yeah. And so yeah. this big Yorkshire choir wanted to sing a song, sing a piece all about the bicycle. And so a couple of years before that, my husband started writing the piece and he said, I could really do with some original songs as well. And I've been sort of dabbling writing original songs um, for a bit, but I wrote A Woman Wearing Bloomers on a Wheel for that um, piece and several other songs as well. (laughs) And it just took off from there, really. I just suddenly thought, hang on, I, I really love doing this. So I just carried on doing it. And one thing led to another. And then the military wives choirs asked us to write a song for their album so we wrote we will remember them and yeah after that I just couldn't stop really <laughs> you've written for the military wives as well yeah yeah exactly so um they were re- recording an album called remember to celebrate 100 years since the end of world war 1 and they wanted several new songs 
for their album and they approached me and said would I write something so I wrote we will remember them for that album and oh they sang it so beautifully and I've heard lots of different choirs around the country singing it and it's just oh it makes me cry it makes them cry and it makes me cry so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but we all cry (laughs) have you have you been to see the movie (laughs) I haven't but I've got tickets to see it in our local cinema on the 27th of this month so I'm really hoping that everyone's going to be allowed out by then if if not I don't know if I'll be able to go (laughs) we hope so I really want to see it can I ask you the just all the way through your amazing career I'm sure it's been most of the time incredibly uplifting and everything, but have you had challenges that you could put down to making sure that you got past those? Have there been things that have really hit you and and sort of just for advice yeah. for people that are, you know, getting into that? Yeah, absolutely. Golly, I mean, especially when I was starting out, I gave up a full-time teaching job. I was teaching secondary music in a school in London and I'd been doing that for three years. I was enjoying the teaching aspect of it, but I wasn't enjoying, you know, the fact that we had to do so much paperwork and the stress, the various stresses of being a teacher. And I was desperate to do more music making. And so I I gave up that very steady job and just sort of launched myself into this world of being a freelance singer. This was in 1997. And it was terrifying mm. because so much competition And I could easily have been put off. But my husband, bless him, just said, look, come on, let's really give this a go. If this is what you've always wanted to do, which was true. And I'm so grateful to him because in those early months, I had very, very little work and we were really scraping together the rent. But I did stick it out and I did lots of auditions. And then suddenly the Swingle Singers were looking for a soprano and I did that audition and I got it. And that opened all sorts of doors for me. So the advice that I always give to people starting out as freelance artists in any aspect of art, but, you know, especially in music, is not to give up straight away because you never know what's around the corner. And I think also another good bit of advice that someone gave me was to have lots of different strings to your bow. Mm -hmm. So not just to be a singer, because unless you're going to be absolutely incredible, and I've got friends who are absolutely incredible and flying around the world, being soloists and so on, very few people can end up making a a decent living just from doing one thing. So I always kept my coaching running alongside my singing because I love coaching groups. And I kept writing as well. And, you know, I'm so grateful now because it means that if one area of work, as has happened now with the coronavirus, all of my performances have been cancelled or postponed or my session work is being cancelled, So quite honestly, if I didn't have my writing work and the royalties that come from that, I I wouldn't have any income at all. So that's my best bit of advice to anybody is just to have a lot of different skills running along in tandem. And it's not a popular opinion to have. I know, I happen to know that a lot of people who choose the music college route as opposed to the university route that I chose are advised that it's not a good idea to have too many things going on at once because you can be perceived as a jack of all trades and master of none and that it's much better Mm. to hone in on one thing. Well, I think that's all well and good if you're going to be Bryn Terfel, but if you're not going to be Bryn Terfel, then 
that's quite a risky way to approach the music business, I would say. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's the same with acting as well. If you can yeah. write, if you can direct, if you can do lots of other things, much, much better than just focusing on one thing. I think so. Mm -hmm. Your support and your mentors around Cambridge and all your experiences so far, do you have a sort of a network for, for you to go to as well when you think you need some, not help, but some, some critique, I suppose? Well, that's a really interesting question. It is a funny business. There's not really an obvious person to go to in any line of work, you know, whether as, as writing or as, as a singer or as, as a coach. But... I do have various friends, usually who are a little bit older than me and a little bit more experienced than me, therefore, who I will turn to from time to time for advice. I'm very good friends with Ben Parry, who is an absolute musical genius. Um, he's very well known in Cambridge. He's the director of King's Voices at King's College. And he is just wonderful for advice, so I do occasionally um, turn to him. And then it's quite lovely to have singer friends who also have families because occasionally it's nice to pick their brains about trying to find that elusive life-work balance that we're all striving for. And my husband is, has been a huge support to me all the way through because he's in the same business, so he understands all of the various stresses and strains. But no, it is a funny business being a freelancer because mm. there's no obvious person to speak to. And when things get tricky it's very difficult to know who to turn to sometimes so yeah I'm very reliant on my friends and my colleagues yeah because we've been talking a lot about mentoring haven't we Susie people, we people turning to mentors and it's, it's a very useful mm. thing to have actually yeah definitely when you joined the Swingle Singers they're international aren't they they travel all the time mm. were you away yeah. from your family all the time at that point yeah, it was very tricky, but I didn't have my children at that point, thankfully, but I had just got married. <laughs> and so I started traveling a year after that. But as I say, my amazing husband was very supportive. He knew that this was a great opportunity for me. Um, and he at the time was building up his career as a composer and as a jazz musician. And in fact, he was the envy of all of his jazz friends because they would be, you know, getting to midnight or one o'clock in, in, in these various um, clubs around London and saying, oh, I better get back. And he would say, oh, well, I'm all right, actually, because my wife's away. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're so lucky. So we, we lived fairly kind of separate lives for quite a few years. Well, for seven years, to be precise. And then when I left, we started our family. So I think... Yeah, it was challenging being apart, but again, it really helped that he was in the same business. And also for the final year that I was in the Swingles, he came on tour with us because we did a retro year to celebrate 40 years of the group. And he came and played double bass and traveled around the world with us. So that was a kind oh, of crafty wonderful. way of getting to see him a bit more often. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the moment, lots of people are turning online to try and do music and all the rest mm -hmm. of it. Have you considered doing anything like that? I've seen lots of things on Facebook with people going, well, no, we can maybe yeah. try and do gigs online or... <laughs> an online choir and online yeah, gigs. Yeah. Well, I haven't considered doing gigs yet, but I have spent today in my studio putting together a show reel of all the different types of music that I regularly record. And I'm going to hopefully tomorrow turn it into a video that I can put out on YouTube to encourage writers who need their music recording during this coronavirus lockdown 
to send me their stuff because I've got my studio in my garden. I can go and record it and I can send it over to them and nobody needs to meet. It can all be done virtually. And that way we can try and keep that aspect of the music industry going a little bit. So that's my plan. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> the, the choral leading, the choral leading that you do, do you find mm. that the women that, that you work with, are they inspiring to you? Do you find that you're learning a lot from them as, as well as them learning from you? Oh, I love working with all women in choirs. I do work with mixed choirs as well and with children's choirs, but the last few years in particular, I've been working a lot with all female choirs. I love it because the more energy I give them, the more energy they give back and so on. It's reciprocal and everybody ends up just buzzing afterwards. Um, nobody wants to go home. That's what I find at the end of my <laughs> workshops. It's so funny. So I'll finish and, and then I'll be out the door and no, no, and then I'll still be there an hour later. They want to ask me all sorts of stuff. And it's really nice because I get to know them and then I usually end up in the pub with them and we carry on chatting. And I mean, that's going to be a bit different for the next few months. <laughs> but no, it's, it's really inspiring. And what I love is that women, you know, we're great sharers, aren't we? We tell everybody how we're feeling and what we're doing. And, and so I find that and it's not just the music that I'm helping them with, but there was one choir recently where they were really low on morale because the woman in charge of the choir had been in charge of her before and didn't really rate herself very highly. And so she was very unconfident leading the singers. And one by one, the singers were leaving the choir and that made her feel even worse. And so they got in touch and said, would I come along and do a session with the choir, but actually focusing on her? And it was absolutely oh, nice. extraordinary because I arrived and she introduced herself to me and I said, right, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you want to get out of today. And she said, well, the thing is, I'm not really a musician and I'm actually, I'm not really a singer. I'm not a natural leader and I'm not a very confident person and I'm not really sure that I know what I'm doing. And I said, gosh, I'm just going to stop you there because you've just given me five knots in a row, things that you're not good at, in your opinion. So... Can you just tell me some things about yourself now that, that you are good at, that you think you are good at? And she just said, well, I just don't really know. And, and it was just amazing. And I said, right, I know what I'm going to do. So I spent the whole three hours. The choir was sitting in their chairs or standing up singing every now and again. But I was focused on this leader. And you know what? She was fantastic. She had all the skills, but she totally lacked confidence. And what she needed was for me or anybody to say to her, look what you just did there that was brilliant you need to do that more and i was saying don't look at your feet look up don't stand like that stand straight you know what you're doing be confident so i gave her all these little techniques that i've tried and tested over the years and my goodness the transformation and i said to her now you are a pebble in the water and you are going to ripple out this confidence that you've discovered you have got and everybody will feel the ripples. And before you know it, this choir will be back on its feet. And it's just gorgeous because every now and again, she puts on Twitter, I'm still being a positive pebble. The ripples are still <laughs> rippling outwards. <laughs> and the choir is doing really well. And I just came away so elated. You know, we didn't go into the nitty gritty of all the different songs they were singing, like I normally do, talking about tuning and blend and blah, blah, blah. It was all about positive attitude and sending out this positivity 
that would then come back to her and then everybody was happier. Oh, it was brilliant. I loved it. Oh, that sounds amazing. But you know something, Joanna? Not many people could do that, what you did there. Because Oh, well, I don't know. know. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think many people would be equipped to do that. Maybe it's because you you said you were once unconfident. Maybe you understand exactly how she felt and you were able to help her. Well, you know what? I think there is an aspect of that. Because although I've always been confident in my musical ability, I've always known that I can do music. As a person, I was very unconfident for a long time, even if I was putting on an act of not being. I I was very lacking in confidence. And so, yeah, I did see where she was coming from. I just wanted to scoop her up and tell her she was going to be fine. And it just was so lovely to see the difference in her. A lot of it was just body language because she was standing in front of the choir talking to them, but with her hands clasped in front of her, which is what a lot of people do if they're feeling unsure of themselves. And as soon as I said, just release that grip and just have your arms by your side or better still, up high where they can see them, she immediately just looked different. She stood differently. Maybe it is partly having had to learn it myself. I'm now more able to pass it on to people. Yeah, interesting. You do ask interesting questions here. (laughs) Jo, I just want to focus on, (laughs) I know we've done this before, but I really do want to focus on your 21st century women beautiful song that you performed and the video the video oh, is incredible I know, it's yeah. brilliant oh, gosh <laughs> but, I, watching but, just, <laughs> but just touching you on cried? that i'm always it, making people cry <laughs> <laughs> but did you feel very proud of that video because obviously it was uh written for international women's day but it, it will go on and on and on quite frankly yeah. and it will oh, always I'm be reversed so, too i'm so proud of it i mean it was a huge labor of love i just did it all with just one friend who is just amazing woman i've got to give a shout out to fee Allsop. she's just fabulous and you know she just said right come on who are we going to do next then and she met me for every filming of every celebrity that we stalked and she just made it all such fun and she gave me confidence every time i would say i can't possibly get in touch with the bishop of london she'd say yes you can come on let's do it and so i would you know and she was just brilliant and we had such fun doing it together and yeah and somehow it all came together and it's had 10,000 views which Mm. to me little me just feels incredible so yeah (laughs) I'm really happy with that I think we all need a Joanna Forbes Lestrange in our lives actually (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure my children would agree with you (laughs) (laughs) I could go on asking you questions all night it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you today thank you thank you so much I really hope we get to chat together again sometime and that was Joanna Forbes Lestrange talking to Linda Ness and me Susie